Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, February 27, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Well, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5 as we continue through the book of Hebrews. Um, be, we're going to be in verses 11 to 14, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. And I'll go ahead and let you know, next week I'm going to veer off next week as well from Hebrews as we take the Lord's Supper together. <clears throat> but and then we'll be back after that. Um, and I'm going to read the verses in a moment. But before we do, let's, as we normally do, let's ask the Lord to give us special grace and help as we approach the Word this morning. Our Father in heaven, we come before you and our hearts are heavy because of lots of reasons, whether it's physical sickness, sickness because of pregnancy, or whether it's sickness that, that, will, that will lead to, to death um, sooner than, than we would expect, or whether it is Issues going on in our weakness and our flesh as we're dealing with sin and temptations. and Or whether, Father, we're, we're suffering persecution at work or whatever is going on wherever we are at. If we are dealing with rebellious children or, or wayward parents. Father, all the things in life, we, we, we need you greatly today as we approach this text. As always, I pray that um, Jesus would increase, that He truly would be superior and greater than all, as the book of Hebrews points out week after week. That I would decrease, that He would increase. Father, in spite of me, I pray that You would work. Father, the weight of my sin and my failures is always before me, and it's always before us. But as we were reminded in Sunday school, Jesus says, oh, come to me, all you who, are, who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we know it was the joy that was set before Him, even as we, we, we were reminded of that this morning on the cross. He will no way, never, never, never cast us out, those who come to Him. So, Father, in repentance, we come before you this morning. We pray that you would help us. And give us great grace. Father, if there's someone here who is not a Christian, if they would hear the words of life, even in this topic, in these verses, and look unto Christ and be saved. And for Christians, give us great ears to hear and eyes to see, and may we move on to maturity. Father, we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the title of the sermon is, again, I don't get very creative in these, but Spiritual Immaturity. And Abigail looked at the sermon topic and said, Daddy, that looks really good this morning. I said, well, it is what it is, Pam, and, and I'm trying to be faithful. And I don't necessarily like, there's always something about my own sermons I don't like. But here we are, and we come to this text. And so at this point in the book of Hebrews... The author has been speaking of the priesthood of Christ, primarily Aaron's priesthood, the earthly priesthood. And he's comparing Christ, saying Aaron is a picture, he's a type, 
of Christ in his earthly ministry as a priest. And then look back at chapter 5, verse 10, or 9 and 10. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So he's going to shift, moving from Christ's pic- Aaron's picture as an earthly priest, and Christ did that because he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses in every way he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. But now he's going to shift it, coming in the later part of chapter 6 and, and then moving into 7 particularly, he's going to show how Christ is a different kind of priesthood because not only is his priesthood earthly, it is heavenly. So we're going to get there. And so the author is there now as he's getting ready to go into Melchizedek. And then he stops. And he considers his hearers, those who are listening and those who are, who are the recipients of this letter, this, this letter to the Hebrews. And he stops. And if you notice, from chapter 5, verse 11, if you've got your Bibles open there, all the way, really, to chapter 7, but particularly 5.11 to 6.12, he adds a parenthesis right in the middle of his teaching. He's like he's getting ready to teach on Melchizedek, and he stops. He's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching on the superiority of Christ's priesthood there, and then he realizes many of his listeners are not understanding Something that they should, what he thinks, should understand. And some of them, as we will see in two weeks, they're even in danger of apostasy. Chapter 6. He says that they are spiritually immature. And they must, he must address them as such before moving on to his teaching in Melchizedek, about Melchizedek. So, listen to the words of verses 11 to 14 with that introduction. We need these words today. Verse 11. About this, I think that's Christ and Melchizedek, and there what he's going to be teaching on the priesthood of Christ. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So as we consider these verses today, I have five truths from this text, on the realities of spiritual immaturity. And so we must, from an application standpoint, ask ourselves as we approach this text, could we, could I fall into this category here um, if I were one of the recipients of this letter? Because it is for us today. And so here's my five truths. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. And they're, they're not hugely long today, but here they are. Spiritually immature person, number one, cannot understand advanced truth. Number two, spiritually immature is always relearning the same truths over and over. This person can, can never become a, 
a teacher. This person cannot apply truth in his own life ethically. And finally, this person is in danger of apostasy. So let's begin with number one. A spiritually immature person cannot understand advanced truth. And I, I must admit, I had a hard time wording this truth, but I think you'll get my point as I try to explain it. But I think this, the author is saying, the one who is immature has great difficulty understanding deeper truths of doctrine. Because he was getting ready to teach on Melchizedek, and he stops. He says, you can't handle this, and here's, here's why. So this person, the spiritually immature person, their understanding of doctrine does not grow and mature beyond what we might call the basics of the Christian faith. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave, see that, the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Why is this? Why was he saying this? Well, they were dull of hearing. Look at verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11. About this we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That's the ESV. The root here in the Greek is, is really lazy or sluggish. The meaning here is, is really has to do with your mind. Mental sloth. I think we all know what mental sloth is. Um, if I think about my own example of mental sloth, that happens often, in all honesty. But I particularly go back to my high school days, and you're sitting in math class, introduce a new concept, and you're like, your mind is on your family, your mind is on your girlfriend, your mind is on your boyfriend, your mind is on your problems at home, and then next thing you know, what are you doing? You're daydreaming, and then you're, 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 just, you're mentally gone with it. And then when the teacher tries to teach this truth, you just don't get it, and so then you have to go to tutoring and whatever afterwards. You go to your parents, and your parents say, you need to learn this. And, well, you know, I think we all know what that is like. To, it's, another way of putting it might be just a lazy type of, of daydream, like a perpetual daydream. So to a person in this state, it is very difficult to explain anything, even if it were something simple. Because when you get into those mindsets, it could be What's two, two plus two, or two plus four, or two times? You're just, you're just out of it, okay? And you're not even there. I think this may not be the best picture, but it's a picture. This is how our author explains some of the Hebrew Christians that he's writing to. Now, this doesn't mean that these doctrines are difficult. That's not what this text means at all. They're not difficult in and of themselves. And I hope as we go through them, we're going to see they're not that difficult. And they really aren't very hard to explain. The author's saying they're not hard to explain. This is not what he's saying. He is saying this. Even if I were to explain these doctrines the most simple way that I could possibly explain them, you're still not going to get it because your ears are dull. You're lazy. You're slothful in your ability to grasp and understand doctrine. Personally, again, I go, to, I go through times physically, particularly, where all I want to do is sit on the couch. And, and, and that's I, those of us who are older, that, that grow, gets more and more prevalent as we get older, younger guys. You'll see that, you, and that's okay. 
But through our times, if that's all we want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV, or me, I want to go sit in my chair and read a book. But what I do then is I don't worry about what I eat, and I don't worry about doing anything physical, and I don't go to the Y, or I don't walk, or I don't do whatever I can, and I just sit there. Well, what happens over time when we do that? I don't care where we're at and how old. Now, some folks physically just can't. I'm not talking about it. I'm just general statement here. When we do not take care of ourselves, we, we get to where we're just, oh, it gets worse and worse. And the more I want to go and just, anyway, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But we know what we're talking about there. And when these times abound, now again, this is a picture of spiritual, not, I'm just using a physical truth here, but when these times abound, we tend to neglect the things of God and the deeper things. And if this continues over a period of time, <clears throat> you can imagine where it will be. And I think that's what the author is saying to some of his readers. But you know what? They were not always so. If you think back to that community of believers, when the gospel came to them, they received it with eagerness. It aroused their attention. The gospel exercised their thoughts. When they heard about Christ and His death on the cross and His resurrection and His ascension to the Father, that He'd come and He laid down His life on the cross. And if anyone believes in Him, their sins will be forgiven, sins thrown as far as the east from the west. They took those things and they were excited about those things. They loved to sit and contemplate those doctrines, and then doctrines that move from that, they couldn't wait to get in there. But now, the author says their ears were dull, and the things of Christ had become commonplace. And though they heard the author's teaching on Melchizedek, they really didn't make the effort to understand these truths because they were, their ears were dull. So we must ask ourselves, is this true of us? Is this true of you as you sit here today? Could the Apostle Paul say to you as he did the, the church at Galatia, you were running so well, brother. You're running so well, sister. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? That's Galatians 5, 7. A.W. Pink says, By the very law of our Constitution, if we do not move forward, we're moving backward. And I've found that to be true in my own life. I wonder how many Christians here in other churches just sit week after week after week, sit under teaching with dull ears, unable to understand. Brothers and sisters, there are many who sit in churches and they want sermons that will just say the same things over and over again and just tickle their ears. They refuse to move further to deeper doctrines of what the Scriptures teach. It's hard to preach the whole counsel of God in, with such a folks, with such people. And so that's number one. Spiritually immature person cannot understand deeper truths. Number two. A spiritually immature person is always relearning the same truths over and over again. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, 
not solid food. Here he uses the picture of milk versus solid food. So we think about an infant. An infant can only drink milk. That's all. His or her little body is not prepared for ribeye steak or a T-bone steak yet. We all get this. This is an easy picture for us. We cannot give an infant a steak. And so I think the author is saying, you know what? You should have progressed further, but you have not. You're like an infant in your understanding. Therefore, I can only keep giving you milk. I can't give you the other. I just keep giving you the milk over and over again. Here he compares milk with the basic principles of the oracles of God. Let's not forget our context. The author is teaching about the new covenant in Christ. And he is explaining how Christ has fulfilled all the promises of God. Given particularly to what the Mosaic law pointed to. And he is explaining how how Christ has fulfilled all of these things. And I believe that those folks coming out of Judaism, as they were Hebrews, as they were Jews following Mosaic Law and in, in all that they could do in their culture, everything wrapped around the temple and everything that was going on. I believe they were, they were probably mixing Mosaic Law with Gospel in an unhealthy way. They were misapplying old Mosaic Law in the light of Christ. And some of them were even in, even in danger of completely rejecting Christ altogether and going back to Mosaic Law. Look at chapter 6, verse 1 following there. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Can you imagine coming to my house for supper and we sit down together to enjoy a five-course meal of milk. First course is milk. Second course is milk. Third course is milk. Fourth course is milk. I like milk, trust me. And then, but then, <clears throat> I come to your house, and I am served a seven-course meal of milk over and over I believe the author is saying, hey, I like the milk. It is necessary, but you know what? Give me some steak as well. Let's move on. Give me some steak. I think this is our picture. When our ears are dull dull and they're lazy spiritually, we're only ready to drink milk over and over again. And as we've said, we don't even understand things we've already learned, which is why he says they need to be retaught The same things over and over again. As if they've forgotten what milk tastes like, much less steak. And so in this way, they've they've digressed. Well, here's an application. And I think this is very important, important for us. Brothers and sisters, we never leave the the truths of of the gospel, the basic truths of the gospel. Because... It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Romans 1, verse 16. The gospel is the power of God. We never leave. That's why, I, you know, as I think back to, my dad used to always tell me, John, 
as I listen to your sermons for years after year after year, I do preach different sermons. I've preached many books. But he says, you know, John, you just preach the same thing again and again. And I know what he's referring to. He's, he's just referring to the basic truths of the gospel. So we never leave the gospel. But we add and we learn doctrines connected to the gospel. I think of, of a baseball coach. And I, I'm, I was a baseball player, so I think of baseball Think about the fundamentals. We could do this with any sport, but we cannot be successful as a baseball team if we can't catch the ball, throw the ball, swing the bat and hit the ball, receive a ground ball, make the proper hop from the outfield as you throw the ball in. All of these things good coaches teach over and over and over again. But then, at some time, after those things, which you continue working on, and I could name tons of those in baseball, then we started to put in other stuff like button defenses, and we start to put in, you know, trick plays, or we start to work on our mechanics of how we throw or exactly how we swing the bat, all kinds of things we add to the fundamentals of baseball. So in the same kind of way with the gospel, we always remember the gospel and the basics, but we build upon those things. Even as the author is getting ready to do with Melchizedek, which I am so excited to move there in a couple weeks. But I think, if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. And I, I have memorized it, but the first thing I'll do when I stand up here to do that is I'll probably forget it. So I've written it down here. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. When we think of the basics of the gospel, here you go. Paul says to the Corinthians, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance that, he was, <clears throat> that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Brothers and sisters, these are the basics. These are the things we preach, and these are the things we teach. But, as the Old Testament says, we build precept upon precept, line upon line, Little upon little, we add to, and we move on. So I would say to us this morning, by way of application, we rest on the gospel, <clears throat> we stand in the gospel. Our power comes from the power of the gospel through the, through the Holy Spirit as we have received Christ and believed on these things. Even as Hebrews says, that profession, that confession of Christ, we know what that is. These are the basics. But I would say move on and look unto Christ First, and then move on and think about how those doctrines now apply and move on and as we learn new things. So, spiritually immature <clears throat> cannot move on, number one, to advanced truths or deeper doctrines. Number two, always relearning. Number three, spiritually immature person can never become a teacher. Look at verse 12 again. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. This is an amazing statement. Because think about the context of Hebrews. Under Mosaic law, in the Hebrews, the teachers, who were they? In the Old Testament, who were the teachers? 
They were the priests. They were the prophets, maybe even the kings at some point, but particularly the priests and the prophets. And now the author is saying, hey, all of you should be teachers. And so, under the new covenant, when we think about that, here we are today. This word's coming down to us. The author's teaching the new covenant in Christ. Who are the teachers? Is it you? I'm, I'm just kind of like a trick question, but generally speaking, we must go to Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20. We know this. What's Jesus' command to to me, the pastor? Or what is it Jesus' command to all of us? As you go, what does he say? Make disciples. As you all. That comes to all of those Christians. That means all of us are to go and make disciples. In that regard, we are all teachers. Now, there are those who are spiritually gifted with teaching. That's for sure, but that's not what this context is talking about. This context is clearly the New Covenant believers. All of us are teachers. This means that our aim, when we leave this place, this is what you and I must do. Our aim is to tell people about Jesus, give them the basics of the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what we do, whether we are in high school. And I'm just, I, I mean, I think about some of you that are in high school now, even me and Caleb were talking about this as we played disc golf this week. Just the stress, the, the difficulty that, that you young people, particularly, if you're in high school now, especially if you're in public school, but it doesn't just apply there, it applies to everyone. But I think, I mean, I think particularly Avery and these young ones at West and others that are here just, and some of the things, we're sheltered, brothers and sisters, at this little, tiny little Bible-believing country church in China Grove. We are sheltered. Some of the things that I'm learning from Caleb, I'm thinking, what in the world? I'm not even going to mention them because I, I just won't do that. You can talk to me afterwards about some of the things these young people are going through so much. I'm, I'm chasing a little rabbit. I'm getting off here, but be encouraged. We are praying for you. Press on. Press on. But back to our point. The text says that those who are spiritually immature cannot or are not effective at making disciples. So not only do we go out and tell people, then after we tell them, what do we do? Say they receive Christ, or they say, I'm interested in coming to your church to hear more. What do we do? All of us. Uh, do you say, hey, if you want to learn something, how about going and talking to the pastor? Is that what we do? Oh, there's our associate pastor over there. Oh, there's our Sunday school teacher. Go see Greg. He can explain it to you really well. No, I mean, we do that, and I'm not saying we shouldn't always do that, for sure. But the point here is, all of us should be moving on to maturity, so that every single one of us should be able to share the gospel, tell people about Jesus, and then say to them, this is what you need to do next. This is what this scripture means right here. 
And, and this is how you are to apply this in your life. And you should be saying to everyone out there, as a teacher in this garden, as a disciple maker, <clears throat> I want to bring you along so that you can be mature. That is what it means to make disciples. So let me, let me ask some questions by way of application to us. Is this the way you think when you meet with other, other folks, other Christians? Are you thinking, how can I teach you? Or, how can I help you grow in the faith? Now, again, I'm talking to everybody, young and old, men and women, boy and girl, talking to everyone. Is this our mindset? We used to say this. I used to say this often. I don't say as much as I used to. We want to create an environment where making disciples is normal. This is part of it. And this is a good opportunity for this text to say this because the spiritually immature person can never do this. And you may think, wow, I'm not, I don't ever think like that. Well, maybe this text is for, for you today as a, as a warning. So these questions, let me keep going with them. You come to someone, are you thinking, how can I help you apply the truth of the gospel in your life? Do you have the attitude of, of Paul who says to the believers in Rome, he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Paul is, I want to be where you're at. I want to visit you while so I can give you something so you can grow on to maturity. Or do you say again, that's that's for the pastor. That's for, that's for Jimmy. That's for Garrett. That's, that's for Gil. Brothers and sisters, according to this verse, all of us should be teachers in that way. We should be able to make disciples. And that should be our goal. Now, I get it. We're all at different places. I get it. Um, some of us are newer in the faith. Some of us have been, been Christians. I think I'm looking out here, though. 90%, 95% of us have been Christians for how long? Very, very. So who, you guys tell me, if you're preaching this sermon, who are we speaking to? Very long time. We've been, so I, I'm just, just in all honesty. I, but I still, at, at the same time, we're still at different places in our growth. Some are 10, give 20, some 30-fold in the faith. Some are growing slower some are growing faster. We're all still growing. I get it. And the way that we've done church in the past, particularly, is to do our discipleship at a building, which we've really never done here at Grace so much, where just a select few are doing the teaching. Now, again, this is okay. We should see this aspect. We should see gifted teachers stand up and teach the flock, for sure. But at the everyday level, that's what I'm talking about here. I think that's what he's getting at here. All of us are teachers, and all of us are disciples who make disciples. And as we grow, we must come to a time where we understand doctrine and deeper truths about Christ and the gospel in which we are able to teach others the commands of Christ and bring them along. I think of Christian counseling, particularly. We... In the counseling world, what do we do? Immediately within the church, we defer. Let's find the expert. 
out there. And usually it's, it's not a, even a, it may not even be a Christian counselor. Or it could be a Christian counselor who then uses the ways of the world and maybe is not necessarily a biblical counselor. But what we do is we just defer. And I, I, I will confess, I have done that often. And I think we have often done that. And it may be the case where expertise is needed, of course. So we move on to some more, some, some better expertise there in certain areas. But this must not be our default as a church. And I think a lot of this responsibility falls upon the elders, for sure, because we are commanded, according to Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. At the end of the day, I, I, I think our elders have to take the responsibility um, if we don't look like these things, if we are not moving on to maturity. I think a lot of the times, too, in our Reformed Baptistic world that, that relies so heavily on doctrine, we're, we're great on that part, but we're not great on the ethical application, everyday life, and then obedience that follows. But at the end of the day, this command <clears throat> to teach or to make disciples falls on all of us And if over a period of many years, we do not find ourselves as a whole able to teach the person that's sitting right beside you, then maybe we are spiritually immature. I just will recall Titus 2. It says, to the older men, teach the younger men. It says, to the older women, teach the younger women. And there is a, there is a, it's very clear in Titus 2, if you go there, there's a very clear environment that Paul is after in the church that we are all doing that together. And it goes right along with Hebrews. And by the way, I do believe, I may be wrong, but I do believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but I I just, I don't know that for sure, so that's why I always say the author. But let's, let's move on to number four. Spiritually immature person cannot apply truth. <clears throat> this is really the, the moral, the ethical part. Because if we just look at truth and we get it, we understand it, James says if you don't do something about it, then you really hadn't got it in the first place. But look at verses 13 and 14. And this is a difficult, couple difficult verses, I, I must admit. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment. Trained by constant practice to, to distinguish good from evil. Some say, I ran across both of these, but some theologians and commentators I read say that to be unskilled in the word of righteousness is speaking of doctrine. And I believe that is true because the context is, is doctrine and the teaching of Christ, His priesthood, very clearly. This is certainly true, but I think there is more in these verses. This text is very practical as it connects doctrine with right living and the ability to discern that which is good and best and to distinguish between good and and evil, the mature Christian understands the truths of the gospel, and then this 
this mature Christian is then is able to make decision in his or her life accordingly and to distinguish. That's why you go to the older, we do, we go to the older, wiser person, the Christian in the faith, and we say, well, what do I do here? Because they understand doctrine, they understand the gospel, they understand the Bible as a whole, and then they're able to apply that in their own lives and the lives of others. At the end of the day, how do you know a person is a Christian? I think it goes back to Sunday school, those who come to Christ in repentance. That's the key. But how do you know a person's a Christian? Visibly. Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. If you have, he says, I'm an apple tree, and apples are coming forth, then you got a, you got a, you got a fruit tree that bears apples. Well, only God knows the heart, brothers and sisters, I know that. But Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits. A mature Christian is able to understand the gospel of Christ and then apply those truths in day-to-day living. This is evident in godliness. This is why the New Testament puts so much emphasis on really the leaders of the church, the elders of the church. Look over with me to Titus chapter 1. Just a couple pages over to the left. Titus chapter 1. Verses 7 and 9. Let's see. I'll make sure that that is correct. Titus 1, 7 to 9. For an overseer, these are the context of elders. Titus was sent there to Crete to to, to appoint elders, and he was an elder. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must, I love this, this goes right along with our text today, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. This is what the Hebrews were not doing. They're not holding firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's for our elders. But you know what? None of us could sit here today and read the Scriptures and go, that's, not, that's for all of us. What, it, what he's saying is just make sure that those you get in leadership show those qualities. They're above reproach. Do I fall? Do our elders fall in every one of these ways? Absolutely. But by the grace of God, we are repentant. And at least we're called partly because you see that in our lives. But you know what? These instructions are for all Christians. We, we should never say, oh, pastor's going to be at the house tonight. Let's do something a little bit differently. Let's watch something we, we normally wouldn't watch. Or, we are all the same, brothers and sisters, all the same in this regard. We are all to move forward in godliness. These instructions are for all Christians. So let me ask, have you so embraced and believed the gospel of Christ the trustworthy word as taught, and then are you able to make godly decisions practically in your life, and that's just a normal way of life for you. So often I hear Christians asking, what is God's will for my life? Have you ever heard that? And then we're looking for a a dream, or we're looking for some kind of feeling, or, oh, there's a sign, oh, this has got to be right. 
We know better than that. What is God's will for your life? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 This is the will of God for your life. Sanctification. That's it. Our move towards maturity. So this text today, the author is writing so that the, the Christians would not fall back, but then what? Move forward to maturity in both their understanding of the gospel and how they apply the gospel to their lives. That's number four. Finally, this morning, number five. And this is where the warning comes in particularly for us. A spiritually immature person is in danger of apostasy. This is very serious. And I'm only going to mention this today as we're going to delve into that in a couple weeks. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, very could be very difficult passage. I don't find it to be that difficult, but could be. But verses 11 to 14 must be read in this context. Look with me at chapter 6. I'm going to read through some of the verses. Chapter 6. Look at verse 4. For it's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then they've fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Our, our author is giving us a warning, giving them a warning and us a warning that there is the danger, if you are spiritually immature, and you look at your life, and you go through the first four, and you go, that's me me that's me that's me then then it's a warning for us it's a warning for all of us and your pastor and your pastors are not above this so our author is giving a warning a warning now i do not think that the majority of his readers will do this because look over at chapter 6 verse 9 he says Though we speak in this way, in other words, we're giving this warning right now, and these things are really difficult, we're talking about spiritual immaturity, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. He does believe that they will move on to maturity, which, as a pastor preaching this passage, to us today, I believe that we are moving on to maturity. But our passage serves as an early warning sign of apostasy. Let me remind us of the warning so far in Hebrews. Chapter 2, verse 1. You can look back there with me. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. Chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart <clears throat> leading you to fall away from the living God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And there are more, and we're going to get to more. But I think our author right in the middle of teaching about Christ's earthly and heavenly priesthood, he realizes that some are not able to get it because of their spiritual immaturity. 
and that they do not listen and they do not begin to move on to maturity, they are in danger of apostasy. And, and what's so scary about apostasy? Apostasy takes place in those who hear the Word of God over and over and over again. That's just the way it is. Because the world's not out there hearing the Word of God over again. As they, we've seen these verses, verses here, tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God that comes out, powers of the ages to come. They're, that's just not the case. It's us. It's us. Therefore, we must pay attention. The warnings in Hebrews, I do not believe they're for hypothetical Christians. I believe they are for us. And they're God's means. And these are gracious means. That, so when you come in here on Sunday morning and you listen to me, and you really listen, you're not over there, daydreaming all the time when you can't really hear. But you're really listening that, 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 that you're going to get it. And this, you'll be like, wow, thank you, God, for that warning today. Thank you for your grace in my life because these warnings serve to move us along down the road to heaven as we go. And this road, it, it might be kind of easy right now. It might be very hard. It may be in Ukraine. It may be somewhere else in the world. But we're moving down the road to heaven and we will be grateful for these warnings, for sure. And so we must ask ourselves, am I a growing Christian? Am I spiritually mature? Do I understand the gospel? Am I learning to love and understand deeper truths? Am I constantly having to relearn same things over and over again, the same basic truths? Am I able to teach others? Is this even my mindset? To bring them along to maturity. And I, another little put in there for you young people in high school, keep doing it. Keep bringing your classmates along to maturity. But all of us must do that. We should ask ourselves, am I becoming more godly? Do I find, do other people find in my life that yes, John is becoming more godly? In all the, in the way he speaks and the way he acts and in our homes, our kids, do, they, do you say of your parents, wow, mama or daddy or whoever, grandma is, I see it. They are becoming more godly in their lives. We must ask ourselves this, this question. Is our ability to discern between good and evil growing year after year as God gives? We must ask ourselves these questions of this text. If we don't, and we become dull, then what's our danger? Rejecting the Son of God altogether and falling away in apostasy. If we do this, then we're like James, the book of James, who says, we look at ourselves in the mirror, and then we walk away, and we forget what we looked like. So therefore, we must take heed, lest we should fall. This goes for all of us. Now, personally, pastorally, I know these words are difficult, brothers and sisters, as you sit here. As I bring this sermon to a close this morning, I know these things are difficult, and this is very difficult. Abby, as you said, Dad, this looks like a really interesting sermon. And as I said, it is what it is. And we'll be faithful, and we'll keep going down this road. But these things are necessary, and they're in the text, and we preach the whole counsel of God. But something that I read from A.W. Pink this week <clears throat> says this, 
concerning warning and encouragement. Because this is a sermon of warning. Okay, not much encouragement here right now, in all honesty. But he says this, Just as long as Christians have the flesh in them, and they are subject to the assaults of the devil, do they need constant warning? That's us. We need constant warning. But then he keeps on. And just so long as they are harassed by indwelling sin and are left in this hostile world, do they stand in need of heavenly encouragement? All effective ministry to the saints proceeds along these two lines, alternating from warning to encouragement. As a pastor, I, I look at my life and I read these words and I think, how can I grow here? I'm afraid that more often than not, I do the first. Um, you may see that a little differently. I don't know. That'd be, be a good question for you guys to ask, for me to ask you guys. But I, I feel like I do good at the warning. And I don't do as well at the, the encouragement that comes along, for sure. And I, I thank you for loving me and putting up with me because love covers a multitude of sins. And we are in this together. And I take this very seriously. I think about Paul and his words to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We read this in our elders meeting. He says, Paul says to Timothy, Be an example in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, so that all may see your progress. Again, we are in this together. And so I would ask for you to pray for me as I continue to work through Hebrews. And I, as, as I pray for you, and as our elders, we do every week. We pray through a number of, of families. Not every week, but every other week when we meet, that's what we do. And we're praying for you in our own prayer times. But pray for one another. We're in this together. And I pray that we will move on to maturity. So with that in mind, this morning I want to end it with some encouragement at the end of the end of the section which i'll preach this as well as it comes up but look over at hebrews chapter 6 verses 9 to 12 here's our encouragement <clears throat> verse 9 though we speak in this way yet in your case beloved we feel sure of better things things that belong to salvation that's what I believe about us at Grace. I believe we, are, we, we, we really have mostly Christians. I would be naive, too naive to think that, that some of us who profess are not, that, that, we, that, that we may also not be Christians. And that's why I always present the gospel. If you are not a Christian here today and you know it, look unto Christ. Trust Him that God sent Him to die on the cross for your sins. And God will take your sins or put them, place them upon Christ. And He will throw them as far as the east is from the west. And then you will find what we're going through in Sunday school. That Christ has a heart for you as a sinner and for us. But we speak of things that belong to salvation. Keep going there. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. And the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. I give thanks that, that grace in our folks here, we do do these things. We do love one another. We do care. We, we want to move on, of course, and do better. But we do these things. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness 
to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to stop with this today. The point of everything that we are saying is this. We have such a great high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up and not man. So this week, consider these things, consider these warnings, but at the same time, press on and look unto Christ as the great center of all of God's truth and all of the power that comes to live in these ways that I've mentioned this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this day again, for just a time to sing and to pray and to meet with one another and to, and to, to listen and learn from Your Word. Father, may, if we are in this boat this morning... Move us to maturity. By Your Spirit, give us grace to do what's right. Help us as elders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So many things we could say. Father, we, we look unto Christ, and, and, and our sins are great, but Your mercy is more. And I pray that You help us this morning as we leave. May we put these things to practice and may these things continually be on our mind, the warnings from Hebrews, that we would press on to maturity in Christ. That you may give us steak and we'd always not be satisfied with milk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church. China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.